You're listening to the Life in Christ Church podcast, your place for life-changing messages that will build your faith and propel your life. If you enjoyed today's message, why don't you be a blessing and share it with a friend? I was praying in the Holy Ghost today, and when I was, the Lord just deposited something almost instantly. It's like it downloaded right into my spirit. And uh, as I was praying, the Lord, and I believe this is the Lord that led me directly to this, because I have no desire to just preach a message. I want a word that God has for us right here, right now. How many would like a tailor-made, custom-made word from the Lord? Amen. That's why many times I don't preach from any notes or notebooks because I want something that God has for us right here, right now. And I was praying today, and I know that this was from the Lord. I want you to look with me quickly in 2 Timothy chapter 1, and I want to give you this, and I believe this is a word from the Holy Ghost. We'll see it tonight as God uses this word to set people free. We're getting a touch from heaven tonight. Amen. I said we're getting a touch from heaven tonight. God's getting ready to break some chains by the power of his Holy Spirit. I'm telling you, I came all stirred up tonight. Praise God. I could have run here from the hotel. Forget driving. I could have run. Amen. Hallelujah. (laughs) Second Timothy chapter one. Now I'm looking in verses six and verse seven, two verses I'm sure you know very well, Uh, but let me read it to you. The Bible says, In verse 6, for this, Paul's writing to his son in the gospel, Timothy. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you. How did it come? Through the laying on of my hands. You see that? So Paul imparted a gift from God to Timothy when he laid his hands upon him. You can receive impartation through the laying on of hands. You can receive impartation through the laying on of hands. I've had it happen to me. I can remember the first time I was ever really experiencing this. Of course, you grow up in an evangelist home like I did. My father, who's still preaching the fire down, and uh, he's in Canada preaching revival this week. He's been three weeks on the road. Hallelujah. I mean, 68 years old and preaching fire for three straight weeks, not slowing down. He's speeding up. Amen. He's getting stronger, not weaker. And uh, miracles and signs and wonders are happening. And so I've received impartation my entire life. And then I went to Rama Bible Training Center in the year 2000. And I got there just a couple of years before Brother Hagin passed away. And I remember sitting in one of those seats in the sanctuary during Winter Bible Seminar. And uh, I, I just I had such a hunger to receive from the anointing. And I'm sitting over in those uh, rows, and it was a Tuesday night of Winter Bible Seminar, and I can remember that Brother Hagin was trying to preach a message or teach a message called Bringing Back the King. He was going to teach on how if we would preach the gospel to the ends of the earth, then the end would come, and it would cause uh, a quicker return of Jesus Christ if we do the Great Commission. But as he was trying to teach and preach, the power of God was already hitting the sanctuary. You know, you got like almost 6,000 people sitting in there, and you're trying. He's trying to teach through it. But, I mean, you got whole sections of people that are already getting touched by God. 
You got whole sections laughing, other people jumping up and dancing, people running around the building. And, you know, he's, he's trying to read his text, you know, open your Bibles with me. And, you know, he's just trying to do his thing. And he, kept, he keeps glancing up over the Bible at the place. You know, he was, he was 86 years old. He's looking around. He said, and then he realized, I think he finally realized, I'm not getting this service back. I mean, God, power of God's already moving. So he just came, closed his Bible and came out from around the side. And he said, well, say it out loud, for the Lord is good, you know, his mercy endures forever. And I mean, the place just, uh, it, it broke loose. He came down off the platform, 86, and started walking around that sanctuary and laying hands on people. And I mean, as he'd lay hands on one person, a whole section of people would go out. Just, and many of them with their hands lifted, eyes closed. They, you couldn't have planned it. You can't synchronize it. People don't even know other people are falling down. But like a wave, whole sections of people going out under the power. There'd be, he'd go down the aisle. You, you remember if you've ever watched any videos of him do this, he'd have a whole section. He'd say, this row, everybody stand and turn and face this way. And they'd all face him. He'd lay hands on the first person. They'd go out like dominoes all down the aisle. And uh, the whole place would go down. And so he's just praying, ministering. Well, I'm way over here to the right. And I'm like, oh, Lord, let that power of God hit me tonight. Let him come to my section. Let him lay hands on me. You know, I'm praying like that. And I'm just waiting. You know, I'm over there waiting, praying in the Holy Ghost. And, I mean, he went everywhere else in the whole place and never came to my side. <laughs> never came over to where I was. Never came to my section. And then all of a sudden, nobody touched me. Nobody laid hands on me. But all of a sudden, and I believe it's the hunger crying out to God, Lord, touch me. Lord, use me. And that hunger, I'm praying in the Holy Ghost. All of a sudden, the power of God hit me right in my stomach. Oh, I fell out. I went and rolled up under the pew. I was praying in the Holy Ghost. I mean, it hit me so hard. Felt like a shotgun blast. Like somebody had some buckshot and a Benelli pump shotgun and just unloaded in my belly. Poof, I went on the floor. And I'm up under there praying in the Holy Ghost. I had four Church of God in Christ girls that stand around me, join hands, just started a prayer circle. Nobody, nobody was going to touch Brother Ted. And here I am up under the pew just praying in the Holy Ghost and laughing. Something was going into me like by impartation. I got up off the floor and I went and got to the car and uh, I remember thinking to myself, man, I need to really tell my dad and mom how great of a service this was tonight. So I pulled my cell phone out that was like this big because it was the year 2000. And I dialed the number. You know, he looked like Zach Morris trying to order a pizza. And I, was, I, was, I pulled it out and called him. And uh, I remember the, the phone rang all the way back in West Virginia. I was in Tulsa. And I remember dad answered the phone. Hello? And I went to tell him how great the service was. And I said, I was trying. I was trying to tell him. But I had become so overwhelmed by God's power as he touched me that night. I mean, it probably took me 30 minutes to get back to being able to speak in English again. And then the power of God that was on me. And then the joy that was on me, I heard it come on my dad and mom. They were both on the other line. They started laughing on the other line all those thousand miles away in West Virginia. Something hit me that night that came through impartation. And it never has left me. There's something that comes via impartation. You can receive gifts from God. That's what Paul's telling Timothy. You've received a gift from God that came when I laid my hands upon you. So I want you now to stir it up, he said. Stir up the gift. 
You know, you can have a gift in you that lies dormant. You've you got a gift. You've got the power of God. But a dangerous thing is to allow that gift to remain dormant within you when Paul, he's showing Timothy how to do it. Stir it up. Stir it up. One of the things you might recognize if you study First and Second Timothy is that it seems like Timothy, because he was a younger man, had a little bit of an issue with fear and trepidation because of his age. And he didn't want to boldly direct the church because he felt inferior, maybe because of his age. And he felt like he was too young to be telling the full congregation what to do and how to live and how to, how to serve. But Paul wrote him a letter and he said, don't let anybody despise your youth. Don't, and then he said this, teach the whole congregation. Pastor the whole congregation. Saying no matter the age, no matter how old you are, don't let them despise you because of your youth. Well now, in this uh, letter here, the second letter that he writes to him, he says, now let me tell you what to do. You've already got a faith that's on the inside of you. I saw it first in your grandmother. Then I saw it in your mother. And now I'm persuaded it's in you too. But stir up the gift that lies within you that came through the laying on of my hands. Oh, yeah. Then what does he say? For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power. Hallelujah. And love and self-control. Everybody say self-control. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and love. And a sound mind or self-control. You know, it's interesting. One time I, I heard this preacher say, he said, well, you know, people read this and they act like fear is a spirit. And you can leave it up for me. They, they act like fear is a spirit. But if fear is a spirit, contextually, then these other three things have to be spirits also. Power, love, and a sound mind. And I said, well, if you actually read the Bible, the other three are also spirits. Because the Bible says in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, you shall receive when the comes upon you. So the Holy Ghost is the spirit of power. You would not receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you if the Holy Spirit was not the spirit of power. The, we look at love. You say, well, love's not a spirit. No. The Bible says God is love. Isn't that what the Bible said? God is love. The Bible declares in 2 Corinthians 3, now the Lord is a spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Whether you want to say peace or a sound mind or self-control, that's a fruit of the Holy Spirit. That is something that is formed in your life when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And so though all three of these things are spiritual and spirits, that means fear is also a spirit. Many times the fear that people feel as believers, it's not your fear that you're feeling. It's the spirit of fear that's trying to attack your mind. It's not your natural fear because you know how I know? There's people that battle fear, but there's nothing to actually be scared of. There's nothing to actually be fearful of. There's people, you look at, look at how people are battling this as children. There's children that battle heavy depression. There's children that battle chronic depression. How can you be seven years old and battle chronic? What do you have at seven to be depressed about? 
You've not paid one mortgage payment. You've not had to pay one car payment. You don't even know the price of insurance. You've not been laid off from one job. You've not gone through any divorces. What at seven years old do you have to be in chronic depression about? It shows you it's a spirit. It's not something that comes just because there's a heaviness and there's something to be sad about or depressed about. Many times people neglect the fact that there's a spiritual root to the problems that we battle. And the longer that we push that off and think that everything's natural, we'll miss out on receiving our freedom. Because freedom comes by understanding that we're engaged in a spiritual warfare. Hallelujah. I said we're engaged in a spiritual warfare. The weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal weapons. The Bible says they're not carnal, but they are mighty. To the pulling down of strongholds. You can't fight the devil with a gun or a knife. But you fight him with the weapons that God has given you. What has he given you? A sword of the spirit. I feel like preaching tonight. He's given you a sword of the spirit. Say what's the sword of the spirit? That's the word of God. I'm about to pull this thing out of the sheath and cut some devils down tonight. You fight. You fight by the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And that's why Paul told Timothy, he said, God's not given you a spirit of fear. So stir up the gift that lies within you. Anytime there's an attack that comes against your mind, that comes against your spirit, you've got to stir up that gift that's on the inside of you and take authority over every foul attack that's a lie that comes against your mind. And I'm going to tell you tonight, the, see, this is, and I have for people that are watching online, and welcome if you are, I put this as the title tonight, How to Overcome Satan's Number One Deception. If you're taking notes, How to Overcome Satan's number one deception. See, you know, the only way Satan can fight against a believer is by deceiving them. Because he's got no power over you, so he can't take control of you. He can't subdue you. That's why I don't believe all these nut jobs that are out preaching now about Christians being demon-possessed. How is any demon going to evict the Holy Spirit from his temple? What demon is big enough to come into a believer and tear the Holy Ghost out and make his home inside your body? No, Christians can't be demon-possessed because you're already Holy Ghost-possessed. He lives on the inside of you. He's strong on the inside of you. And he's made his home in you. Hallelujah. And that's why I tell you, the devil can't take control of you, can't take you down, can't overpower you, can't slap you around. No, you've got authority over all the power of the devil. Oh, hallelujah. Luke 10, you know the verse, Luke 10, 19, Jesus said it. I give unto you authority over all the power of the devil <laughs> and nothing shall hurt you. Look at that. Authority and power are different. If it was just power over power, then I'd have to come battle Satan with my own power against his power, and whoever had the greater power would win the fight. But I don't have just power. I've got authority. 
Hallelujah. What's, the, what's authority look like? Authority looks like this. If you've, got, if you've got one, let's say you've only got one agent or one police officer, two police officers, and they give instructions to five or seven people, the five or seven people obey. Why? Because they're not using power, they're using authority. It's the same at a traffic stop. If, if a light goes out and you've got a police officer directing traffic at a, at a light that's out, he doesn't have the power to push back every vehicle that's in line. You could rev your F-150 up and run right past him. He doesn't have the power to push your truck back to where he told you to go. But he's got the authority because he's been deputized by the state and by the county to do what? To police that area. So you recognize his authority. And though you may want to go, he said stop. So you keep your foot off the gas and stay where he told you to stay until he allows you to go. That's authority. That's when the devil tries to come against you and tries to lie to you. It's not about power. It's about authority. Hallelujah. I said it's about authority. You know, one time my wife and I were house sitting for this guy who had a big dog, beautiful dog. We loved it. The dog's name was Cody. That was Ken Falkenstein's dog. Cody, a big old dog, strong dog too. I mean, he was very strong. One time, she went to take him for a little bit of a walk and he took off on the leash and drug her across the grass, drug her body across the grass. That's how big of a dog he was, strong. And Cody was a good dog though. And, uh, and he, he liked her more than me, apparently. But, uh, you know, I, even if she was, like, laying on the couch, you know, I'd come in and want to come lay down. He'd quickly get up and lay, stretch long ways out on the couch next to her and look at me as if to say, you're not laying here. <laughs> I, I would purposely go over and wrestle her a little bit, and I'd hear that deep growl. I thought, okay, you do like her more than me. But at the end of the night, at the end of the night, he had a big old crate in the kitchen. At the end of the night, I'd say, now, Cody, go in the kitchen, get in your crate. He'd hang his head, and he'd get off the couch and slowly walk. Sad that the day was over. <laughs> slowly walk to the kitchen. I'd watch this big old dog, full of muscle. I mean, big chest, big. Slowly walk to the crate. He'd get in and turn around, and I've never seen it. He'd bite the door and close himself in. <laughs> And sit there and look at you through the bars. <laughs> no, I didn't have to wrestle him off the couch. I didn't have to grab him by the collar and drag him across the floor in the kitchen and, get, and then try to get him in there and shut it and close it. No, I just spoke to him. I said, Cody, get up and go in the kitchen and get in your crate. And that big old dog that was strong enough to drag a full-grown woman across a yard had to just get down off the couch and slowly walked to his crate and put himself behind bars. <laughs> That's what I'm talking to you about tonight. No devil has the ability to tell the Holy Ghost believer no. He cannot resist you. In fact, the Bible says if you'll resist him, he will flee from you. He's going to run from you as if in terror. Hallelujah. You've got authority over every wicked force that comes against you. If you believe it, say amen. amen. Fear is the devil's number one deception because he can't overpower you. So what does he try to do? Tries to make you believe things that are not real to put you in a state of fear. Look, look at this. 
because fear is a serious thing. Job said in Job chapter 3, verse 25, this is the New Living Translation, Job 3.25, he said, what I always feared has happened to me. What I dreaded has come true. You know, people always like to point at that story of Job, even though we're living in the New Testament. There's always somebody that'll pop up and say, well, I know you always said God's always good. What about Job? What about Job, brother? I've been in the ministry for over 20, 20 years now. If I had a nickel for every time somebody came up, yeah, but what about Job, brother? I know you preach a good God, say he's always good. What about Job's story, brother? Well, first of all, you don't live under the covenant Job loved under, number one. Number two, Job was not even Jewish. Thanks for all the shouts. Do you know that this is one of the oldest stories in the Bible? And most scholars will tell you that they believe that it's just so old that the story was taking place probably about simultaneously with Moses bringing the tablets down from the mountain. It's an old story. So it's even before the law of Moses. And not only that, I heard one scholar say an interesting thing. We can't know this for sure. But, you know, when God spoke to Satan in this exchange and he said there's a hedge of protection around Job, he said, all that Job has is in your hands. Remember God says that in the story? One scholar wrote, it may be true that this is the first time Satan ever discovered that he had authority and control after Adam's fall. He may not have even known that he had the ability to do what he could do to mankind until that time. However, it doesn't mean Job didn't have a covenant with God because why, if you read the story, why would he wake up every morning and give sacrifices unto God? You don't give sacrifices to a God that you're not in covenant with. But here was his problem. He admitted it himself. If you look at that passage again, the 25th verse of the third chapter, what I always feared has happened to me. What I dreaded has come true. Did you know he would even give to God in fear? If you study the story of Job, he would make sacrifices for his children just in case they were sinning, just in case they were offending God. He was in a deep fear that his children were displeasing to God and he was acting out of fear. At the end of the story, he tells them, I was speaking of things I knew nothing about. <laughs> That's actually Job's confession at the end of the book. If you read it, he said, I have to apologize. I was speaking of things I knew nothing about. Yeah, he was discovering the goodness of God. He was discovering the way things worked. But I refused to let fear take over in my life, in my mind. People think just because you're a preacher, you don't have to battle those things. Oh, no. The devil tries to attack every believer's mind. I've had to take authority over it myself. I've had to take authority over it and tell the devil, you ain't messing around in my mind. I'm not living in panic. I'm not living in fear. I'm not living in anxiety. I'm not living in heaviness or depression. I'm not living in that. No, 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 no. You think you can come in here and mess around? No way. And I begin to declare it out of my mouth. I've got a spirit of faith. I got a spirit of joy. I got a spirit of peace. Hallelujah. I got a spirit of faith. I got a spirit of joy. I got a spirit of peace. Somebody say it. I got a spirit of faith. I got a spirit of joy. I got a spirit of peace. Oh, yes, we do. And I'm going to tell you something. There is a faith 
that will drive every wicked thing out of your home. Oh yeah, the spirit of faith. Let me just say this to you. The manifestations of God's presence will never rise higher in your life than your confession does. You know why? Because let me show you something. You know how you release the spirit of faith? By speaking. By speaking. That's why the apostle Paul wrote 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse number 13. He said, as we have the same spirit of faith according to what's been written, I believed, so I spoke. Look at this. We also believe, and so we also speak. The spirit of faith is released by speaking. It's not just release. You can't release it by believing. You can't release it by thinking. You can't release it by meditating. You release the faith you have by speaking and acting. That's how you release faith. That's why Jesus instructed his disciples in Mark chapter 11 and told them. See, they had already seen Jesus produce a miracle by speaking. He spoke to that fig tree that had no fruit on it. And he said, I command no one to ever be able to uh, pick fruit or take figs from thee from this day forward. And the Bible declares the disciples saw that the fig tree he cursed was withered from the root. They said, look at the miracle. He said, oh yeah, have faith in God. And then look at verse 23, Mark eleven twenty-three. 23. You know this one like the back of your hand. Truly I say to you, whoever, whoever does what? Says. It doesn't say praise. It says says. There's a difference between prayer and confession. He gets into prayer in the 24th verse, but in the 23rd verse, he gets into speaking. He gets into speaking. I say whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he, that he what? That what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Then he gets into prayer. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you've received it and it will be yours. And so you can confess and you can pray. You can confess and you can pray. Most people do not take their authority and begin to speak back to the thing that's speaking to them. But it's time now to speak back to the thing that's speaking to you. Hallelujah. I said it's time to speak back to the thing that's speaking to you. Every lie of the devil, you ought to stand up. Anytime you hear a lie like that, you ought to just take off laughing. Even if you don't feel like laughing, laugh anyway. Just start laughing in the devil's stupid, ugly face. Laugh because if he told you something, just know he's a liar and the father of lies. So if he's telling you you're going to fail, you ought to start laughing because you're about to succeed like you've never succeeded in your entire life. If he said he's going to kill you and this is going to be your last year, start laughing because you're getting ready to live longer than anybody ever thought you'd live. Just laugh in his face because the devil's a liar. Somebody shout amen. amen. The power of God that's in you is greater than he that's in the world. Amen. Jesus' name. Notice this now. I love this because look at Jesus' response. How do you respond 
when you get these kinds of reports that come to your mind? How do you respond? In Mark chapter 5, you'll find something with me. Mark 5 is the story, of course, where on the way to heal somebody, Jesus healed somebody. <laughs> That's how good he is. On the way to heal somebody, he healed somebody. Of course, you know the woman with the issue of blood, as he's on his way to go somewhere else, she sneaks up behind him in the crowd, touches the hem of his garment, and she's made whole. But where is he headed? Well, he's going to Jairus' house. His daughter is sick unto death, the Bible says. And as they're going, of course, the woman touches him. But then as they move forward, the Bible says in verse 35, while he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, your daughter's dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? See, here's the problem. Don't surround yourself with people who think it can get to a place that it's gone too far. I'm going to repeat that one for you. Don't surround yourself with people that put limitations on God. They say, well, you know, now she's dead. Don't trouble the master any further. As though that's too much for Jesus. Don't ever put yourself in a position where you think that what you're facing is too much for Jesus or it's gone too far for Jesus or that God can no longer help you anymore. It's too much for God to do. It's too much. Don't, don't put yourself around. I don't even let those kind of people around me. I don't allow those kind of people to speak into my life. I don't, I don't go hanging out with people that have, that have a, a confession that's so poor that, you know, you ask them. You know, I grew up around people like that, being from West Virginia. Hey, you know, that's, common, that's a common uh, uh, response. How you doing today, buddy? Well, I'm hanging in there. <laughs> really? Really? Well, I'm hanging in there. Really? That's how you're doing? I'm talking about Christian people. Really? That's how you're doing? Yeah, I'm hanging in there. I'm living. I'm getting by. Really? That's your confession. As a Holy Ghost-filled Christian, you've, you've somehow gone through 66 books of the Bible and, and you found at, a point, at some point that your confession regarding what Christ has done for you is that you're hanging in there. You've forgotten about being more than a conqueror. You've forgotten about the fact that you're victorious. Thanks be unto God who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. Oh, in all these things, we're more than conquerors. Hallelujah. That you, you've forgotten all that. I'm hanging in there. I'm telling you, I've gone so much further. We've gone so much further than what we heard growing up. I refuse to let somebody's confession that had no understanding of the word guide my life. I was teaching on this today, and it's very sad. You know, people grow up like this. Somebody wrote in the comments, they said, you know, my father used to tell me and, me and my sisters and brothers, you're a stupid bunch. You're a stupid outfit. That's what, that's what they said. You're a stupid outfit. So, and that's what you grow up hearing. And so that's what you end, end up believing about yourself till your mind gets renewed by the word of God and you realize I've got the mind of Christ. I've got the ability to access his thoughts and his ways which are higher than my thoughts and my ways. I've got the Holy Ghost living on the inside of me and I'm more than a conqueror. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. No, look at what Jesus said. Huh. 
no longer worth troubling the master. Jesus says this, do not fear, only believe. So notice that. Do not fear, only believe. Do not fear, only believe. Glory to God. Do not fear, that's a command. It means you have a choice whether or not to fear. Do not fear, only believe. Only believe. I feel the anointing on this right now. I'm telling you, attacks are being broken tonight by the power of God. We're leaving here different tonight in the name of Jesus Christ. Oh, get ready. I said, get ready. We're leaving here different, different, different. You know, I was reading about this. This will get in your spirit. Do you know they, in the book of Acts chapter 12, they were uh, coming against the church and they went to grab a man named James, a Christian in the church. They didn't just grab him, they arrested him, then they killed him. And when they saw how much that pleased the Jews, they said, well, well, that made them happy. Let's get a prominent apostle in here. Let's get Peter. And they arrested Peter. And they brought him in, planning to execute him the way that they executed James. And he is now not just imprisoned. They stick him between two guards in the cell. Because they'd gotten smart and figured out, apparently God was into jailbreaks. <laughs> He'd come in and broken a few people out of prison. He said, not him. We're keeping Peter in prison. So they put him between two guards and locked him up, chained him up. And the next day was going to be his execution. Now you'd think, if you read this story, and you come in on the scene, that Peter, knowing he's going to die tomorrow is up, you know, in, in the middle of praying hard, speed tongues, going after it, everything he's got. <laughs> I mean, porky pig in it. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, he's just going, I mean, just getting everything he's got. <laughs> speed tongues, just going after it. I'm praying. I need a miracle. Come through now, right now, God. Oh, God, like it's an auction for a car. Oh, Lord, can you get him to Lord, get him to free him, break me out of prison, Lord. Oh, Jesus, Lord, let the chains break, Lord. You'd think, that's what you'd think he'd be doing. He'd be in there in a panic. He'd be in there, tomorrow's my last day alive. Oh, Lord, I need you to come through. Why would you go to sleep? Why would you go to sleep when you could spend the remaining time you have in the night praying and asking God to break you loose, break me free, do something. I don't care, Lord, what it is. If you shake the prison, if you kill the guards, let a cannonball come through. I don't care what you're going to do. I mean, you'd be up pressing in. Right? Anxiety hits you. You're going to die tomorrow. And the Bible says the church was praying for him. But when you see the scene, he's not praying. In fact, an angel shows up because of the church's prayer. And the angel comes into the prison to break him out. And when the angel comes in, it finds Peter sleeping. He was sleeping in the midst of all that. Not just sleeping, by the way. He wasn't like trying to get to sleep with one eye open. He was so soundly asleep that the, the appearance, think about this, the appearance of an angel didn't even wake him up. Now, you know that's serious because angels, <laughs> that's why I don't know about these people that are always going around in our generation. I saw three angels last night. They gave me a message. And during this service, I saw 12 angels. So you, you didn't see them. You didn't see them. 
Say, really? How, how do you know? How can you know they didn't see him? Because their pants are still dry. Because <laughs> anywhere in the Bible, <laughs> any, anywhere in the Bible where a person saw an angel, the Bible said the first thing the angel had to say to them was, be not afraid. Don't fear. You know why? They look scary. Go into Revelation and let Revelation describe to you what angels look like. And then people that yeah, I saw 19 angels at Walmart and I was over there at Target. There was two angels. Had an angel come in my room last night. And there's, no, I don't believe you. I don't believe you. <laughs> and this, here's this angel appearing in the prison cell in the dark. First of all, just the radiant light that it would carry as it comes into the cell. You'd think everybody be up for it. And, and here's this angel, and Peter, he's gone. Just out cold. To the point where the angel has to strike him on the shoulder. Say, wake up. It's a jailbreak, sucker. <laughs> that's not King James. That's the Passion Translation. But anyway, <laughs> struck him on the shoulder. Wake up. It's a jailbreak. Peter thinks he's sleeping still. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> he's being led out, you know, by the angel. Doors are just opening of their own accord, you know. And he's out in the street. People often wonder, why in the world was Peter not freaked out being in there the night before his execution? How could he sleep so soundly? How could he have no fear? How could he be operating by the spirit of faith like that? You know what he did? He used a tool that every one of us can use as well. I had forgotten about this. I was going through and saw it and forgot. Peter was resting on a word he'd gotten from Jesus. Look at John chapter 21, and I want you to see something that Jesus himself said to Peter. And this is so powerful. The Bible declares, and of course you go through it, and where he's asking him, Peter, do you love me? Yes, then feed my sheep, feed my lambs. You know, he goes on to talk about all the things that he wants him to do. But in verse 18, this ought to make you shout, man. In verse 18, the Bible says, Jesus speaking here, Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. Peter, now this is just a couple of years, maybe, maybe not even that far, maybe just a year after Jesus had ascended into heaven and Peter's arrested and brought into the jail cell. You think, why wasn't he afraid? Because he's thinking back to the word he got from Jesus and thinking to himself, I ain't old. I'm still a young man. Jesus said I wasn't going to die till I was an old man. And Peter's sitting there thinking, if they can kill me tomorrow, that makes my Jesus a false prophet. And I don't believe Jesus gave me a word that will not come to pass. And so instead of being up all night afraid, he said, no, I already got a word from heaven I'm going to sleep on that word. I'm going to rest in that word. I ain't dying tomorrow. It's not coming to an end. I've got a word from the Holy Ghost. It's going to be all right. 
Somebody shout, it's going to be all right. Yeah. Got a word from the Holy Ghost that everything's going to be all right. I said everything's going to be all right. I said everything's going to be all right. <laughs> everything's going to be all right. Everything's going to be all right. Don't worry about it. Everything's going to be all right. Everything's going to be all right. I said everything's going to be all right. Devil can't stop you. He can't shut you down. He can't destroy your family. He can't take you out. Everything's going to be all right. I said everything's going to be all right. Everything's going to be all right. Everything's going to be all right. Hey, hallelujah. Everything's going to be all right. Thank you, Jesus. I said, thank you, Jesus. Ha, 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 I said, what are you laughing at? Laughing in the devil's ugly face. If the devil could have taken us out. He'd have done it years ago. He can't do it. He doesn't have authority over you. He doesn't have power over you. He doesn't have dominion over you. You've got the power of the Holy Ghost dwelling on the inside. Everything's going to be all right. Somebody ought to type it in the comments, watching online. Everything's going to be all right. I said everything's going to be all right. Everything's going to be all right. I said everything's going to be all right. Lift your hands and declare it. Everything's going to be all right. Say it again. Everything's going to be all right. Everything's going to be all right. Sometimes I'll just say, Everything's gonna be gonna be all right. Everything's gonna be gonna be all right. Everything's gonna be gonna be all right right now. <laughs> well, everything's gonna be gonna be all right. Everything's gonna be gonna be all right. Everything's gonna be gonna be all right right now. Sound like y'all know it. Oh, and everything's gonna be gonna be all right. Everything's gonna be gonna be all right. Everything's gonna be gonna be all right right now. <laughs> oh yes, and everything's gonna be gonna be all right. Everything's gonna be gonna be all right. Everything's gonna be gonna be all right right now. You believe it tonight? <laughs> oh yeah, we got a spirit of faith. I said, we got a spirit of faith, got a spirit of joy, got a spirit of peace. It's an anointing, man. It's the anointing of the Holy Ghost. The spirit of faith comes on you. Spirit of joy comes on you. Spirit of peace comes on you. <laughs> oh, yeah. Spirit of faith, spirit of joy, spirit of peace. That's what I'm talking about tonight, that we don't have to be or live like the world lives. I don't have to go through what they go through. I don't have to endure what they endure. I got a spirit of faith. I got a spirit of joy. I got a spirit of peace. <laughs> I got a spirit of faith. I got a spirit of joy. I got a spirit of peace. <laughs> I got a spirit of faith. I got a spirit of joy. I got a spirit of peace. Shout yes. I got a spirit of faith. And I got a spirit of joy. You know, there's an anointing called joy. In Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 9, the Bible says 
that this is speaking of Jesus, by the way. The writer of Hebrews is speaking about Christ. And really, this is a quotation from uh, the book of Psalms. But uh, in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 9, speaking of Jesus, he writes, You've loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with what? The oil of gladness beyond your companions. That means Jesus operated in the anointing of joy. The anointing of joy. Say, how do you know Jesus was a happy man? I'll give you a clue. Kids were always trying to get to him. And if you can, anything you ever remember from growing, if you grew up in church, if you were a kid in church, you knew who the old codgers were and you knew who the cool people were. You know who the people were that were sit down, be quiet, slow down, get down. Everything was down. You ever notice that? Quiet down, slow down, sit down, get down. <laughs> it's funny, isn't it? How there's like, I think I heard uh, Jerry Seinfeld say that, something about that. He's like, isn't it interesting when you were young, everything was down. When you're old, everything's up. Did you ever notice that? Because when you were young, it was like, sit down, be quiet, you know, you know slow down, you know, get down. When you're old, it's like, hurry up, get up, come up. <laughs> you knew who those people were in church. Always trying to slow you down, quiet you down, sit you down. Then there were the other ones. They're always trying to wrestle with you, tickle you, had candy, you know, just wanted to bless you, gave you some money. There was a lady in my church, every time I'd come in, her name was, her name was Sylvia Nicely. She was in her 90s, white-haired saint. She'd sit in the back. You know, I'm talking about old-school saint of the church. They would have the little tiny, you know, bracelet watch, and they always had a tissue tucked into the watch band. Remember that? Because I could break out crying at any moment. I'll flip that thing out and just dab goes right back into the watch right back into the watch band and sister Sylvia was in her 90s she'd sit in the very back of our assembly of God church and she'd see, she'd wave to me she wore her hair in a tight bun in the back she had that hair pulled back into a tight holy ghost bun <laughs> I grew up in the Pentecost man and people I'll tell you you knew when the holy ghost was moving them women start shaking the buns would come out and the hair would come down and that hair was long let me tell you, and they start bucking their head. If you were too close, man, that hair is snapped like a bullwhip. Knock your eye out. <laughs> you knew how good the service was back then by how many bobby pins were on the floor after the service was done. <laughs> My God, it was a 200 bobby pin night. <laughs> they start snapping you. Oh, my God. Sister Sylvia pulled that hair back into a tight bun. She said, come here, baby. And I come to the back of the church. 90 years old. And I was only a young teenager. I was probably only 13. Some, maybe 12. And she'd say, come here. And she'd say, uh, you doing good? Yeah, I'm doing good. She'd say, you're my preacher. And she'd say, I'm going to be your first partner. And she would scoop. <laughs> she had her purse. You know, she'd pull that pocketbook in the center, unzip. And she'd scoop. And it was, I'm talking about change upon change. <laughs> this is like she was creating change in her basement. She'd pull a heavy handful of change out, and I mean quarters. I had quarters for days. I mean quarters upon quarters. You know, you walk, you have to start walking with a limp just because one side of your pants are so heavy. 
She said, I'm going to be your first partner. And she put that in. She put it in my hand, and she, she just blessed me. And she said, I, I want you to have that. I want to be your first partner. I believe in you. And, you know, I, there was a guy that would come next to her, and I always wanted to go over to where Sister Sylvia was. <laughs> I'll come hang with you. You know why? She wouldn't tell me, sit down, quiet down, slow down. Huh? She wanted to bless me. There was another guy that would stand at the door greeting people as they came in usher. He, he had this guy, big old redneck. He had a big old pocket full of fireball candies. Anybody remember the fireball candies? He had fireball candies for days. It's like he knocked over a little league, you know. You know when you go up to the, uh, what do they call the place? The, uh, yeah, concession stand? It's like he knocked one of those over with a 357. Give me all your fireball candies. <laughs> He'd have biggest pocket of fireball. And every time, I'm telling you, the, the guy, I never really heard the guy utter like three sentences in my whole life. Quiet guy would sit back there. And every time, I, no matter when I saw him, he'd say the same thing to me every time. He'd go like this. Hey, Teddy, how's Teddy? It's <laughs> every time I saw him. Hey, Teddy, how's Teddy? And then there was a follow-up question. You want a fireball? And he'd hit me up with a fireball. And, you know, I wanted to see Joe, and I wanted to see Sylvia, but there were some other folks in the church. I kept my distance from them. But you know why I know Jesus was a happy man? Because every time he was around, the kids were trying to run to him. The kids were trying to get to him. And the disciples were the ones, hey, quiet down, slow down, sit down. Jesus would say, no, no, let the kids come to me. This is the kingdom of God. The kids were happy. They were excited. You know why? Jesus was a happy man. Jesus operated with the oil of gladness. The oil of joy was upon his life. Jesus was full of the power of joy. Somebody shout amen to that. Oh, yeah. He operated in overwhelming joy. Somebody shout overwhelming joy. So to finish that story, I was there in Bible school and got that impartation. And it was not long after that, I got a call from a guy who uh, I, I didn't even know who he was. In fact, I thought somebody was trying to prank call me and get me to go to a church that wasn't even a real church. And so finally, I, I ended up going. But this guy, he used to be Southern Baptist, didn't believe in the manifestations of the Holy Ghost, any of that. His whole family was like mine, all preachers. And they were all still Southern Baptists. He was the only one that was now full gospel. And so I went to the church, and uh, he was open to the full gospel. He wanted me to preach everything, Holy Ghost. And so one night we're preaching, and I remembered this because it like hit my spirit. And it's like almost had a remembrance of that service I sat at Ramah. And all of a sudden, all throughout his church, and this, this, this stuff didn't happen. You, could, you knew that nobody was used to it because as it's happening, people are looking around like, what in the world is going on in this church? And people just start laughing. They're breaking out laughing all over the church. And at first, some kids were laughing. So he's kind of sweeping out. Well, you know, these kids, they get, you know, they get goofy. And he's kind of looking from the front. But then some of the older saints start laughing under the power. I'm not being funny. I'm not telling jokes. You know, they're just laughing under the power of God. And all of a sudden, a few in the back take off laughing. And then on this side, they start laughing. And I remembered something. It made me think back to that night in Tulsa, Oklahoma, when something hit me in my belly, there's a gift on the inside of you. Stir up the gift. And as I'm praying and as I'm ministering, people are just getting drunk in the Holy Ghost all over the place. 
What's happening? People are receiving the oil of gladness, the oil of joy, the anointing of joy. I'll tell you, it'll drive depression right out of your spirit. It'll drive anxiety right out of your spirit. It'll drive the spirit of fear right out of your life. And you get into that place where the power of God is manifesting with the oil of joy and the oil of gladness. And I'll tell you, everything that weighed on your shoulders, it comes off of you and you have a new lease on life when you recognize the fact that the devil can't take you out. The devil can't stop you. The devil can't destroy your purpose. I came to wage some warfare tonight because the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. And tonight we're leaving here on another level with the power of the Holy Ghost. If you believe it, shout aloud, amen. amen. Somebody shout, I got a spirit of faith. I got a spirit of joy. I got a spirit of peace. <laughs> I got a spirit of faith. I got a spirit of joy. I got a spirit of peace. That's the Holy Ghost. I said, that's the Holy Ghost. And see, one thing I'm noticing, the Lord's showing me this more and more. Because everywhere I go, I'm encountering people that are battling the same attack. Different city, same attack. And I found that the Lord started using me in this uh, years ago, but then something happened, something shifted. In 2020, I started ministering differently because the Lord started giving me instruction. He'd say, you go to these places and you call for it. You call for people that are battling in this area. And then look at how the devil's trying to wreck people. I was at a youth camp in the middle of West Virginia one time. And I'm sitting there and the Lord gives me a word of knowledge. And I thought, well, if somebody answers this word of knowledge, I mean, this is so specific that, you know, we were in a, a room full of about 100 kids. I thought, if one person answers this word, I mean, this is so specific, it'll be a, a word just for them. And so I said, the Lord shows me that there's somebody or people here tonight that the devil keeps trying to make you. Every time you go to sleep, it's like you have dreams of yourself dying or being murdered or killed or dying. Every time you go to bed, you can't even rest well. And so I thought, I want you to come forward. So I thought, man, if one person comes forward with this word in a room of 100 kids, that's a specific word. We had like 20 kids get up out of their seat and come down crying to the altar that that had been their story. Every time they go to sleep, the enemy tries to make them dream of dying and being killed or murdered in different ways. And here they are standing at the altar, 20 different kids. I've only had that twice. Second time was after that. I was in New York at a large youth conference, over 1,000 kids. And then the Lord so, told me to say it again. I thought, Lord, again? And I had them call. And we had about 71 students get out of their seats and come stand at the altar, hands raised, because the devil works hard to try to stop you through lies, through the spirit of fear, through the spirit of depression or heaviness that the Bible calls it. And I'm telling you tonight, there's a victory you can walk in on a daily basis where the things that used to harass your life will not harass you any longer. Hallelujah. And I'm telling you, we're starting this week with a spirit of faith. We're getting infused tonight. 
tonight. I said we're getting infused tonight with a spirit of faith and a spirit of joy and a spirit of peace. We're leaving here in a strength that we've not felt in a long time because from this night forward, every attack of the devil is coming to an end in Jesus' name. Oh, yes. Hallelujah. I said, hallelujah. I said, hallelujah. Hallelujah. We serve a good God who gives good gifts to those that ask him, the Bible says. How many ready to ask him for some good gifts? He's not going to deny you. He's a loving, heavenly father. He gives good gifts. Glory to God. You know what I realized? A lot of times God wants to bless us more than we want to be blessed. Why? He's perfect in all of his ways. I said he's perfect in all of his ways. Don't let anybody lie to you and tell you that God doesn't want to bless you like that, brother. That's greedy to think like that. No, it's not greedy. In fact, the Bible says, now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly and above all that you can or Now, I can ask for some big things, but I can think of some massive things. And if he's willing to go beyond not just what I ask, but what I even think, it's time to start asking bigger. It's time to start thinking bigger. I'm not going to limit my life, my ministry, my family by small thinking, small asking, small believing. I've got a big God who can do some big things. And I'm going to set my faith for a big kind of miracle. If that's you too, clap your hands and give Jesus some praise. Ha, ha, ha. Spirit of faith. A spirit of joy, spirit of peace, a spirit of faith, a spirit of joy, spirit of peace. I'm telling you right now, some of you are getting ready to sleep through the night like you haven't done in a long time. In a long time. God's restoring rest. I said he's restoring rest. This is, let me tell you, this is a big deal. People battling, I'm telling you, it's a big deal. God's restoring rest to his people. The Bible says, it's one of your promises, by the way. Let me ask you this. How many in here are loved by God? Lift your hand if you're loved by God. All right. Well, if you're loved by God, the Bible said in Psalm 127 and verse 2, he gives his loved ones rest. (laughs) Look at that translation. He gives his beloved sleep. You're getting ready to sleep like you never have. Just wait till the service is over. Hallelujah. (laughs) I've had those too. Some didn't wait. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Well, I'll tell you, it's true. I was preaching one time, and I'm just going, and all of a sudden I look over to my left, and there's a guy just out cold, not even trying to hide it. You know, sometimes people try to hide it when they doze off. You know, they look around, see if anybody caught them. (laughs) I learned at a young age that if you're really dozing off, just pretend you're really agreeing with the preacher. Be like, amen, that's it. But wasn't even trying to hide it. Just had his chin on his chest and his arms folded. And he's he's gone right there on the second row. Didn't even want to do it in the back. He did it in the front. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, like, what in the world is going on? This guy's sleeping on me. 
I'm here trying to preach the word. He's sleeping. And then the Lord gave me an understanding of something I had never seen before. And the Lord said, this man, like many others, that they go through their whole week and never feel rest or peace one time. There's people that have turmoil at home. They battle, there's stress, there's crisis, there's fighting, there's bickering. They have stress on the job, stress at home, stress among their friends. They feel it all the time, and then people don't know what to do. They come into the presence of God and feel an overwhelming peace that they've not felt at home or at their job or with their friend, and all of a sudden, rest hits them right in the middle of my preaching. <laughs> yeah, what is that? It's when you come into God's presence, there's perfect joy and there's perfect peace. There's perfect joy and there's perfect peace. That's what I'm telling you tonight. That's coming upon you. We're starting this week off in a new strength. I said we're starting in a new strength. You know why? The joy of the Lord is your strength. I said the joy of the Lord is your strength. <laughs> the joy of the Lord is your strength. You're walking out of these doors tonight with a new strength and a new joy and a new peace and a new faith. You're not going to be the same again after this night for God is touching you by his power. Somebody say amen to that. I got a spirit of faith. I got a spirit of joy. I got a spirit of peace. Glory to God. <laughs> Hallelujah. I said, hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. I'm getting it right here at the pulpit. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Just hold on. Praise the Lord. Uh, I'm receiving it for myself tonight. Oh, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> a spirit of faith, a spirit of joy, a spirit of peace. Oh, thank you, Lord. A spirit of faith, a spirit of joy, a spirit of peace. Oh, a spirit of faith, a spirit of joy, a spirit of peace. Hey, this is Pastor Joe. And before you go, I want to pray with you to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. This is your opportunity to be 100% sure that heaven will be your eternal home. It's very simple. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9, and 10, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So if you mean business with God, he means business with you. I want you to pray this very simple but powerful prayer and mean it with all your heart. Repeat this after me. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I make you my Lord and Savior. I believe that you are crucified and God raised you from the dead. I believe that you are the Son of God. I repent of all my sin, and I ask for your forgiveness. I give you my life. Do something with it. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome to the family of God. The Bible says all the angels in heaven are rejoicing because you just prayed that prayer. The next step is to find a good, strong, local church. If you live anywhere near Lancaster, Pennsylvania, we invite you to join us at Life in Christ every Sunday at 10 a.m. We have some of the best people on planet Earth. We love you, God bless you, and have a wonderful day.
you for listening to the Life in Christ Church podcast. Help us to continue to share the message of faith with those all over the world. Visit licchurch.com forward slash give to partner with us today.